0: 3 FM. You got the Eagles and the Steelers play Ken Miller.
1: You got the Jets and the Giants when they can play at Rutgers. Trent Condent. Okay, maybe that idea doesn't work. <laughs> Miller and Condent on 1460. KXNO.
0: Hi, right, good morning everybody and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Thursday. Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO and now on 106.3 FM with you here up until noon. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of college basketball in the next hour or thereabouts. We're going to sprinkle in a little NFL to start with here. As I guess I'm not quite sure where the angst is coming from that I'm seeing on Twitter since when was more football a bad idea? Uh, someone's got to explain that one to me. So we'll get into that in a minute. But we're going to do a lot of college basketball, as mentioned. Rob Doster uh, from NBCSports.com, uh, college basketball talk. We'll do some college basketball from a national perspective, and the BMW Des Moines guest list will be uh, finished out later on with Wade looking Bill at about eleven thirty, eleven twenty-five ish. Wade will help us uh, take a long look tonight at Ohio State and Iowa, a big spot. Carver Hawkeyes is the scene tonight. Six o'clock is the tip-off for that one. And um, C.J. Frederick is apparently a game-time decision. So we'll save the basketball for the second hour. Hopefully we have some time for Drake and Valpo from last night as well. Uh, MC22 had the broadcast of that one that was made available on ESPN+. Boy, oh boy, Drake... They blew a 19-point lead. Game goes to overtime, but they found a way to win it, which was critical uh, for their chances as far as staying out of the play-in game on Thursday in St. Louis. Uh, Ecker said last night during the broadcast that uh, his research says, you get to 9-7, and seven, you're probably going to be okay. Uh, Drake right now finds themselves at 8-7. and seven. They've still got to play Loyola. No picnic there, obviously. Northern Iowa will finish up the regular season, but uh, they do finish up their f- – their road portion of the schedule at Illinois State next week, so that looks like it to me as far as getting to that magic nine number so the football news from yesterday that uh, that was i don't know why the story broke yesterday uh, somebody pointed out that it was probably Roger Goodell doing his fellow commissioner uh, Rob Manfred a favor uh, by uh, putting some uh, breaking NFL news on top of all the Astros news that have been uh, we've been inundated with, but regardless. I guess I don't understand why so many people are up in arms over the fact that the NFL is going to allow one extra team in both conferences to participate in postseason. So what what it essentially means is each and every year, whoever is the seventh seed is going to play the two. The two no longer gets a bye, but six is still going to play three. Four is still going to play five. The one seed gets the weekend off. The two-seed will host the seven. So this year would have been the Rams finding a way uh, to get into the playoffs. And the Steelers, likewise, would have found a way uh, to get into the playoffs. I, I, I don't get what the big deal is. And, and you know, I, I go back to high school football. Remember the uproar when the uh, high school athletic association had the audacity the audacity to let some of these kids play an extra week of high school football before they pack their equipment away, in most cases for the rest of their lives. Uh, we'll talk more about that as the show goes on, if not today, certainly tomorrow. But a lot of college basketball talk slate, uh, slated to go as we kick off hour number two with Rob Doster, Miller and Condon, until noon, 1460 KXNO.
1: Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460
0: KXNO. All right, welcome back. 11 o'clock hour, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you here until noon. A lot of college basketball conversation coming up in this hour. Rob Doster from... Uh, NBCsports.com and Watch Stadium now will join the program. We will go around college basketball from a national perspective, but we'll uh, certainly focus in on the, um, on the top two teams in the Big 12 who are going to collide this weekend in Waco. We'll do some of that. Duke's loss. What did that mean last night? Uh, if anything to their seating, uh, looks as though they were going to be locked on the two. Did that do anything? Uh, to hurt those chances last night. Maybe it moved them out of the East, which might be the biggest news of all, as uh by the looks of things, they were going to have to you know, play San Diego State, who would have to travel 3,000 miles as the one, and there's Duke waiting at Madison Square Garden. So maybe they were moved from that loss, but a lot of college basketball conversation to get to. He's Rob Doster, and he joins me. Rob, Ken, Trent making his way back from calling state wrestling. Uh How are you, Rob Doster?
1: I am doing great, man. We don't need Trent here. I mean, he <laughs> he can leave him with the wrestling tournament.
0: Well, uh, he he loves this segment. I mean, uh, he, he, here here's what his th- thought is on this. He said to me the other yesterday. I think it was. Boy, you know what? I have a feeling we're going to lose Doster. He's doing TV now. He's on Watch Stadium, NBC Sports, SN is using him on a regularly basis. Soon he's going to outgrow Des Moines, Iowa. Rob, is that true?
1: Never, never. As long as you're on the radio, Ken. If, if if you leave then it's going to be a different conversation. But as long as we still got you here, then I'm always
0: going to be uh, I appreciate that. Well, let's talk about you and Goodman. I watched the segment. I thought it was really good. You guys had some chemistry there. Uh, is that going to be a regular gig for you, Rob, on Watch Stadium? You and Rob Goodman, uh, Jeff Goodman, rather, two real uh, big names um, in, in the uh, college basketball media. Will you and Jeff do this on a weekly basis?
1: Yeah, right now it's going to be every uh, Monday night when the show goes live at 630 um, from now through the end of the college basketball season, and uh, from there, then I don't know what's going to happen afterwards. But you know, we have we have I think going to end up being eight episodes, so they're going to be the best eight episodes hmm. of college basketball. A TV that
0: you can get. The pilots, if you will, and then be renewed for next year. Well, one of the topics that came up in your discussion uh, was John Beeline, who at the time he was, uh, you know, he was rumored he was going to leave the NBA and uh, maybe go back to college. And uh, and Goodman asked you for a couple of destinations. I think Texas is spot on because clearly, I mean, you saw the pictures last night on Twitter, Rob. You retweeted it out. A lot of people did. Texas students not showing up at the games. Uh, the the stadium was 80% empty for crying out loud to watch. Uh, the arena was to watch Texas uh, and TCU. Uh, two teams that seriously aren't going anywhere. I get that, but my God, it was alarming to see how few people wanted to, to witness it in person. So does Beeline make sense there? Give us a couple of maybe possible destinations for him, assuming that he wants to continue to coach.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that Texas probably does make sense. If you think about the Michigan Athletic Department and the Texas Athletic Department, it's really not all that different, right? It is a football school, the flagship program in the state with a ton of money where the basketball coach is going to kind of be second fiddle to the football coach in terms of who is the most famous person and who is the most well-known person on campus. And uh, I think that that makes sense as a fit for where John Beeline is going to end up uh, wanting to coach. Now, the thing that's gotten shock Shaka smart and a little bit of trouble there is when you're Texas, you're kind of expected to go up against some of the blue blood in recruiting. You're expected to go try and get uh, some of these five stars to beat out someone like a Memphis or someone like a Kentucky or someone like a Duke or uh, people at that level, you're going to try to go get Obama, Jackson Hayes, Jared Allen, players of that caliber. And uh, part of what kind of did Shock the Smart end is that uh, you, you can't run Havoc when you are bringing in new players every single year. Like the whole thing about Havoc is the continuity and the brotherhood and how hard you're going to play and the connection that the fan base has uh, to the players. Like it, it sounds like I'm. Um, I don't know, like I'm trying to be like a spiritual advisor when I'm saying all of this. But I think that it really is true in that uh, the, the way that you build um, something, to, like what and Smart does best is building these programs where everybody is all bought in to the greater good. Everybody wants the same thing. Uh, the players represent a community the way that that community wants to be represented. And there's a connection between everybody that is, is, is stronger than basketball. And I don't think that you can do that when you are getting guys that are four- or five-star prospects that are going to be there for a year or two before they go off to the NBA. You know, getting, getting your body right to, to, to do havoc and to play that style of basketball is very different than getting prepped to go be an NBA basketball player. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be a pro basketball player, and there's nothing wrong with trying to uh, survive in a havoc system. It's just two very different things and very different ways that you want to play. So what happened with Texas, in my mind, is that they hired Shaka Smart to do a job, but they didn't put him in a position where he could do the job to to the best of his abilities in the way that he does it and survives and thrives, right? If that makes sense. So with Beeline, I think what we saw towards the end of the tenure was he started getting these guys that were good enough to be NBA players, and by the time they got to that level, or when they got to that level, they started leaving early, whether it was Mo Wagner leaving uh, you know, going pro a year early, or Charles Matthews going pro when he still had a year of eligibility left, or um, Iggy Drezdikis leaving and, and going pro after just one season mm-hmm. on campus, and they—I'm lo- blanking on who else they lost uh, last season. They lost someone else early to the NBA draft. Um, so, I think that that plays just as big of a role in all of this um, when you when you really want to talk about what John Beilein is going to be. So, if he goes to Texas. What kind of player is he recruiting? What level of recruit is he going after? Is he going to be expected to get the Blue Bloods that are only there for one year? Or is he uh, going to get some of these under-the-radar guys that he can kind of develop over the course of two, three, four years, however long they end up staying on campus? And if he can do the latter, then I think that it works for Texas. But again, the problem with Shock and Smart is that uh, he's basically being asked to do a job um, in a way that is not his strength at doing that
0: job. Interesting. So one more on Beeline. I don't want to make this all about him because I want to get to Kansas Baylor and pick your brain on what should be a fascinating game at 11 o'clock Central Time on Saturday morning. But what we're seeing up north of us in in uh, in the Twin Cities at the Barn uh with the Gophers. Um, you, you saw Iowa go in and, p- and pull out the victory there this past Sunday. Big spot. Big win for the Hawks after they got blown out last time that they were on the road. Nice to see them bounce back the way they did. And then just last night, Indiana kind of had their way for the uh, with, with the Gophers. The Gophers were in must-win scenarios in both of those games. I'm not sure Patino survives this. Beeline in the Twin Cities back in the Big Ten, and then we'll move on. Just your thoughts on that.
1: Beeline in the Twin Cities. Huh. So I guess, uh, did you just fire Richard Patino? Well, I I'm, Is that what you just did? I'm, I'm just Miller just <laughs> come on the radio and fire Richard Patino? I think that he did. Um, you know, I I think that that Line would work there. The, the big thing with the Minnesota job is to me, like, you have to start keeping some of that talent local. Like, there's think about how many good players have come out of the state of Minnesota over the course of the last four or five, six years, whether it's uh, a Gary Trent or a Tyus Jones or a Trey Jones. Like, there have been so many people that are just really, really, really Rashad Vaughn's another one, really good basketball players that have come out of Minneapolis and that have come out of the Howard Poley program and that have come out of that region. Uh, Matthew Hurd, like, um, I believe he went, uh, played for, like, D one Minnesota, didn't he? So uh, there are a lot of really good Minnesotan basketball players, mm-hmm. and none of them are ended up at Minnesota. And, and so uh, I think that uh, the key to that job, to me, is being able to keep the local talent local, right? Like, that's why, if you look at what Bo Ryan did when he was at Wisconsin and why they were so good, he was able to find all of these guys uh, in his state, that he could keep within his state, and uh, just built a system around the way to like make all of these uh, big, kind of unathletic, six foot ten guys like how do you make them effective? Well, you you play the swing offense, and you do what Paul Ryan did. So um, I think that whoever they hire at Minnesota has to be someone that can keep that talent local and find a way to succeed uh, with that talent on the roster. And if John John Beline might be that guy, and he really might, um, I just don't know. Uh, you know, I'm like you, Ken. I don't know if I'm ready to quite fire with Patino at this. Point.
0: Well, let, let's get to Saturday. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see. I know the Natives are very restless up there. If they had their way, he'd they're, be out the door.
1: they always restless in Minnesota, man. I'll tell you what.
0: I'm not surprised. Let's get to Baylor, Kansas. Kansas, uh, they were, they were, um, embarrassed, I thought, by Baylor way back early January, uh, game two or three of, uh, of Big 12 play. Baylor waltzed in and, and they took it to him. It was, it was, um, alarming to see if you're a Jayhawks fan. Butler outplayed Dotson in that game. I don't think there's any getting around that. He was terrific. So here we are. Kansas seems to have their offense. You know, uh, going the way most thought it would at this point. Baylor's Baylor. They don't wow you offensively. They're really tough defensively. Help me out with this game. I've been on Kansas. I haven't been able to buy into this Baylor team for whatever reason yet. The win streak continues to roll on. I love Kansas on Saturday. Why am I wrong if I am?
1: I think I lean Kansas here as well. Um, you know, it all, I, I think that it really might just come down to whether or not Kansas is making free. And making their jump shots because the way that baylor's defense works is they they basically like they're going to try to force you to the baseline right and they're going to send help early to the baseline and they're not going to let you get that not going to let anything happen when you go baseline and then they're so good in their rotations at being able to like switch whoever's guarding who and and they almost play it's kind of weird they almost play man to man on one side of the floor and then zone on the other side of the floor and they just kind of match up with whoever they need to match up with, and they are so good at communicating those things and so good at defending in rotation and so good at those closeouts that it becomes very difficult to beat them if you don't have guys that can make a play off the bounce and you don't have guys that can kick out threes. Now, Kansas has guys that can make plays off the bounce. Devon Dotson is not Frank Mason, but uh, he is a better-than-average point guard, a guy having an All-American kind of season, Um, and Marcus Garrett is another guy that can make plays off the bounce. The question is, is O'Shea Bajie going to make open threes? Is Isaiah Moss or Christian Brown going to make open threes? Is Marcus Garrett going to knock down the threes and nobody guards them? Like the, the the crazy thing about him is uh, he took – prior to that game on Saturday against Oklahoma, he had taken one three. He had only shot one three, and he missed it in the month of February. And then against Oklahoma, when Oklahoma basically said, we are not going to guard Marcus Garrett, but we get beat by him, we get beat by him, uh, he went out and, and was six for nine from three. So – um, if they make their threes, uh, you know, and then on Monday night, Devon Dotson hit, hit six of his own. So if they make their threes, Kansas is a very, very dangerous dangerous team. Uh, they have not been consistent in that regard throughout the season, but we'll see what ends up happening against Baylor. I, I, I think if they make the shots. I think they end up winning. Uh, and honestly, I kind of hope that we get to a point where, um, you know, both of these teams, this is, this is my dream scenario. Both of these teams end up at, uh, 17 and one in Big 12 play, yeah. and they went out through the Big 12 tournament <laughs> right. to get a Big 12 title game, where it's basically the oh. grudge match. And we can just say this is for all of Big 12 supremacy. This is for the title that says, you are the best basketball team in the state of Texas, the state of Kansas, the state of Oklahoma, anywhere in the middle of the country. This is the battle for the right for the uh, for the flyover things I guess I uh,
0: I would sign for that in a heartbeat. Well, look who's here.
2: Hey, Doster, how are you?
1: Oh, man. And this interview
3: was just going so well. We were having the best thing of the year. I know, I know. I was
2: listening on the drive, but I made it here in time because I I wanted to get one question is, Doster, it's my favorite podcast that you do. It's not a real high bar, but you, uh, your, why your team sucks podcast. You go through basically every top 25 team and, and tell everybody why the team isn't very good or isn't as good as probably the fan base thinks that they are. Now, you guys, you and Snow kind of glossed over the Hawkeyes a little bit, so I know you've already taken the ire of the Hawkeye fans after they lost last week to Indiana, but rile them up once again. Why do the Hawkeyes suck?
1: Well, first and foremost, there's nothing funnier to me than, like, any time in February that Iowa lose, if you just say like make any kind of joke or any kind of tweet about how like Iowa is going downhill or oh yeah it's typical Iowa fades in February just <laughs> they get so upset about mm-hmm. it uh, and it cracks me up um but for so for Iowa uh, the big thing with them is when teams can spread the floor against them and when they can space them out and they have a form that can play on the perimeter, I don't know how Iowa guards that. Right? Maybe they end up going zone, and the zone has actually looked good for stretches Mm -hmm. during the season. Uh, But I think that that has more to do with the fact that playing zone throws people off uh, and takes them out of a rhythm more than it does, like Iowa's zone is is as good as what, like Jim Beheim runs at Syracuse or anything like that. So uh, that's my biggest concern. Like Iowa's kind of built for the Big Ten. And I don't know if we've discussed this, Trent, but the the thing about the conference this year is if you look up and down uh, the standings, Everybody in that league has an awesome, like, kind of throwback big guy, mm-hmm. whether it's Luca Garza or Ryan Kreiner so or, uh, or someone like a Kofi Kober or mm-hmm. someone like a John Teske or, um, you know, I don't know if Xavier Tillman necessarily falls into that regard, but he's still like a big, powerful big guy. You got Mike Watkins. You have, um am blanking on, you have Harms, like, Zaturo. S- yeah, Harms. Like, all of these, these big, bodied guys that are, uh, yeah, there you go. Another one. Like, uh, Michael Potter, like all of these big body guys that are the, and and can kind of like play throwback want to play around the basket, and if you could space them out that 's when you run into trouble and I think that 's part of the reason why Maryland has been having so much success in the conference of late because they played that more modern style right like Jalen Smith, all he wants to do is shoot threes like he 's basically a young Rob Doster, he just wants to stand on the perimeter <laughs> and shoot threes, and then every once in a while he goes in and like he'll dunk on someone 's head and then he'll block a bunch of shots, and then he's going back and firing up more threes. And when you are Jalen Smith and you're being guarded by, like, Kofi Coburn, like, what's Kofi Coburn going to do on the perimeter? How are you going to do that? How are you going to guard him? It's it's not going to work out. You know, what's Luka Garza going to do when Jalen Smith wants to go out and shoot a three, right? If he comes out, Luka Garza, I'm sorry, Jalen Smith is taking one dribble, and he's dunking it on him. If you're not going to guard him on the perimeter, I think Jalen Smith is shooting, like, 44% from three in Big Ten play. So, um... Maryland's kind of like this more modern-style team, and they are giving all of these Big Ten teams trouble. Then you look at Penn State, the team that's second in the conference. They kind of play that same way, right? Like Their power forward is Lamar Stevens, more or less. Mm-hmm. And he's a 20-point-per-game scorer that wants to face everybody up. Uh, so I wonder what happens in with all of these Big Ten teams once they get out of league play. Because it, it just feels like what happens in that conference and the way that they, that that they play in that conference is different than what you see um, nationally and what you see more or less at any other level, like at any other conference of basketball at that level, it, it's just played differently. So um, to me, that's that's the biggest issue with Iowa. Like we know how good Joe Wieskamp is, and uh, this this little uh, freshman they have, uh, uh, Joe Toussaint. Yeah, is that right? Yep yeah he i mean that kid can go man he's going to be a really good player um and obviously like luca garza is luca garza he's an absolute monster uh, but i just i wonder what happens when they're forced to match up with teams that aren't built the same way that they are built. Hmm. Last thing for you, Rob.
0: But uh, Duke last night to Falls they were they were embarrassed. NC State just walloped them uh, in that basketball game. Did that expose some warts to Duke? Was it just an off night? And what are the ramifications, if any? I mean, it looks as though they're going to remain on the two line uh, at least for the time being. Um, what what happened last night?
1: Uh, man, look, I think that it was a situation where you have. A rivalry game where NC State views it as a little bit more of a rivalry than Duke does. I think that you had a situation where um, NC State was coming off of a loss and knew more or less this was like the game that they had to win if they wanted to get into the tournament. Duke is coming in as, as the fat cats that have won uh, however many in a row, sitting all alone in first place in the ACC. Uh, were not necessarily prepared to play. I think that that what Coach K said in this press conference afterwards was uh, we were like we did not compete. So I think that's really what it was. you know. Uh, and, and the other part of it is like Markel Johnson had the best game of his life, and they were making a bunch of threes. And the way that, that NC State is kind of built. So, like, uh, we talked about this on the Wire Team Stuff podcast, but um, the way that you beat Duke is kind of space the floor, right? Like Matthew Hurd, if you have a four that can beat Matthew Hurd off the dribble, like you can run him off of the court and take him off the floor and take him completely out of – the conversation of a basketball game because he just cannot guard on the perimeter. Along those same lines, Bernie Carey has gotten better defensively and he's actually more mobile and, and light on his feet than I thought he would be coming into college. Like he lost like twenty five pounds and he actually moves better than I thought, but he is like just such a long way from being you know, like a, a band out of bio or Clint Capella or someone that can actually switch, even like a Freddie Gillespie. He's got a long way to go till he gets to that level of being able to defend ball screens and defend on the perimeter. And if you can space them out and you have guys that can attack their bigs off the dribble and you have guys that are really effective in ball screens and playing as well as Markel Johnson played last night, Duke's very beatable. It's exactly what happened against Clemson. Clemson just put five guys on the perimeter. They have a playmaking five in Amir Sims and they put uh, Vernon Carey into all these ball screens, and they attacked Matthew Hurd at the four, and Clemson won. Louisville went into Duke and beat Duke because if you go back and watch that game, this is what their entire offense was. First half, put David Johnson on the ball screen every single time that we had the ball, and they did that, and they were up big at the first half. Uh, down the stretch, when Duke made their run, if you go back and watch like the last ten possessions of that game, all Louisville did was find who Matthew Hurd was guarding, or they put in, put them in some kind of ball screen to get a switch. So Matthew Hurt was guarding whoever they wanted to, with the ball in their hands, and they just attacked him over and over and over again. And you know, I think that missing. Uh, I'm sorry. I think that NC State they probably watched that Louisville tape because they basically did the same thing. Hmm. Rob Doster, NBC
0: Sports WatchStadium.com. He's all over the place, and he joins us here, and we're grateful for it. Uh, Rob, thank you for doing that. You and Goodman Monday night six thirty.
1: Yep, Uh, Monday night, 6.30, watch Stadium. Uh, Ken, again, man, it was great catching up with you, great (laughs) hanging out with you on the radio. Ken Doster. It's always a (laughs) Uh, Take care, guys. See See you, buddy.
0: Good to talk to you. Rob Doster, uh, NBC Sports College Basketball Talk. Good for him. Uh, (laughs) It's funny stuff with Doster. Oh,
2: man. You know, one thing that I missed last year at the Final Four is – Couple of times, Doster and I tried to connect, and we never did. Him and Norlander for beers. You mean afterwards? Beers like and there's also the media ball game. Now, I wasn't quite ready for that one, but I'd heard about it, and at least what I like to go out there? They get all the national media, and then some other people mm-hmm. that kind of know that group get to go out there, play on the hardwood. They do it like Sunday. Is there late a doctor afternoon. in the house? Well, there has to be. <laughs> I right. think for some of those guys, there's no doubt that I have to go after it. But those were the two pieces. But well. There's going to be another Final Four, right? Well, maybe this year.
0: Uh, We'll see. Uh, By the way, Shelby Mast, uh, his bracket is up. Boy, I hope this. I hope he's right. Uh, He's got Iowa in St. Louis. Oh yes, but he's also got a couple of former St. Louis staples. Uh, when they were in the Missouri Valley Conference, they got Wichita State and Creighton both there as well. So Iowa right now is the six, According to Shelby, they play Wichita State, Creighton the three. So Iowa versus Creighton. Tickets will be expensive
2: Ooh. if that's the case.
0: Wichita State and Creighton, they travel like crazy. Although Wichita
2: State's bad. Uh, Wichita State's going the wrong way, I think. <laughs> they, uh, they looked really good at the beginning of the year, too. I right, not lately, Trent. No, I don't know what the problem is, what it is. I haven't seen certainly enough of them to... Kinda of di- dissect what it's been with them, but you're right, that's a team certainly heading the opposite direction what uh what would hawkeye fans and not central Iowa Hawkeye fans because it's obviously Omaha, but like the Iowa City Cedar Rapids corridor are they rooting for St. Louis or Omaha? Ah, uh, it's a good question well, I think they'd rather spend their money in St. Louis because they hate the state of nebraska well, that that could be a very good part of it, <laughs> yes. Because you're talking about basically the same distance between the two. For them, yes. For and, us, no. Right. right. And and for that, too, Kansas is going to be in Omaha. And you know how Kansas fans travel. Right, right. More than likely, unless it is like Creighton-Wichita, like we said, St. Louis is probably going to be a cheaper ticket. Mm-hmm. Easier to get hotel access, those type mm-hmm. of things. So, downtown Omaha
0: is fun, but so, there's so much to do downtown St. Louis. Yes. There's a ton of bars is there as well. Hey, real quick before we go to break, I, I don't know if you had an opportunity to fire up ESPN Plus last night. Boy, that Drake, boy, are they hung on, Trent. They're up 19 in the basketball game and got sent to overtime. How does that happen? I have no idea. They just went on, uh, Valpo went on a spurt, and Drake just couldn't get a stop, couldn't make a shot. But, um, it was fun to listen to Larry Morgan and Adam Emmenecker on the call last night as MC22 presented it. All right, wait. looking, Bill. Trent and I will take a look at tonight's game. Don't look now. Are you aware that Ohio State's won five of six? Won five out of their last six. Playing pretty good
2: basketball right now. I, I didn't realize that either. Yes. The, they, because they had that stretch where they lost, what, six out of seven or seven out of eight, uh, They like had that. lost six out of seven. Six yep. out of seven. Yep. And they just looked awful at times during that. Terrible. Here's the, Here's the wins. I mean, it's, it's, there's some good ones, but
0: there's also Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they beat Indiana. They went. They go into Ann Arbor and beat Michigan. That's lose on the road to Wisconsin. Beat Rutgers at home. Everybody does, and then beat Purdue. So don't look now. They've won five out of the last six. We'll oh. talk about that game next. Trent and I until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO, and now on 106. Point business. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on
3: 106.3 FM.
0: Miller and Condon right at 1130 here on a Thursday morning. Take you up until noon. Briffin and Andy in a two, the fanatics at four o'clock. Let's talk Hawks, shall we? Hawks Buckeyes, twenty versus twenty-five. Ranked teams on the floor. Carver Hawkeye tonight. Wade Looking Bill joins Trenton. I'd take a closer look at this game. Uh six o'clock tip. Coverage down the dial, by the way, begins uh at five o'clock on WHO. Wade Trenton Ken, thanks for coming on, Wade Looking Bill. How are you?
3: thanks for having me real good got a got a road win sunday so those are those are hard to come
0: by no it really was and the and the fashion that they did it too right that little spurt at the end of the basketball game what was eleven oh run uh holding Minnesota scoreless in the final five minutes coming from behind to do so a gutsy win this is one of the reasons I think people are gravitating to this uh this McCaffrey team it just seems different than some of the other uh additions that he's had over the year this is a tough gutty. Team, there's some about him, Wade.
3: Yeah, it really is. You know, they were down. They were down three starters. You know, two for most of the year, and three to count C.J. Frederick and Bohannon and Jack Nungy for the Minnesota game. And there's not many teams throughout the country that could could overcome that. Yet Bakari Evelyn was was a really solid. You know, Garza is just unbelievable. I mean, he should be unanimous All American, uh-huh. not just Big Ten Player of the Year, but yeah unanimous All-American team. Um, Just what he's done is just unbelievable. And then everybody everybody else just does enough. You know, Cordell Pemzel plays pretty well. Evelyn, again, makes those two free throws. Weave Camp does just enough. And they beat a pretty good Minnesota team. You know, they got beat again last night at home, so they're probably, you know, looking at having to win the Big Ten tournament to get in. But they they got NBA players on that team. And anytime you can win on the road in this conference, this year especially, is a good thing. You know,
2: Ken mentioned something that I I think we've talked about a lot, just how this team feels different, how the toughness element. And is that something that you can cultivate inside of a team? Is it just something that has to happen organically when when you go through there? You have to have the right mix of guys to get the toughness that it feels like Fran's been asking for for the last decade with his teams.
3: Yeah, it's it's something different. You know, and you don't have to be 6'9", 250 to be tough. You know, I think – I think Conor McCaffrey's tough. I think Mm -hmm. C.J. Frederick's tough. You know, Tucson brings a little bit of an edge. And, you know, just for whatever reason, in in the past even, you know, four, five, six seasons, they just have not had that. But, again, it all starts with Luca Garza. I mean, the dude just gets hammered. I mean, Minnesota game, I thought it was – I thought the officials were were kind of bad both ways, so maybe that's okay. But he just takes a beating. You know, he gets hit every time. And Minnesota's got bodies. And, You know, he, and then when it gets too tight in front, he steps outside and knocks down mid range, knocks down threes. But they do have a toughness that they haven't had in the past, and I think it's great. I do too. Uh, Ohio State, after you know, seemingly
0: falling off a cliff here uh, late January, all of a sudden's now reeled off five out of six. I'm not sure you've seen much of them lately, uh, but but if so, what what are they doing differently, or what weren't they doing maybe uh, in the midst of that slide? Because this is a hot basketball team uh, that shows up at Carver tonight.
3: It really is, and I don't. I think it's just a coincidence, but it kind of coincides with with DJ Cartons out, you know. Hope, hopefully, everything is okay with him. I guess he's still, you know, from what you read or whatever. He's back home in Bettendorf, trying to, you know, figure things out, so yep. to speak. But um, I think the Wesson brothers are just again add that toughness that maybe they haven't had in the past. Um, they've got a lot of young players. That EJ is it, Little or Liddell. That mm-hmm. kid from Illinois is going to be a star. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if and when DJ comes back, he's going to be a star. Probably already is. But I think it just, you know, maybe sometimes when you have a a, a lot of success early, like Ohio State did, right. you, start reading the, you start reading the press clippings a little bit, start looking at seeding for the tournaments, and then you lose four or five straight. But it's a tough one tonight. They're a physical, athletic team, and, you know, I was still beat up. I, I don't think CJ is going to play tonight again. So they're just going to have to find a way at home to, to try to get another win.
2: Ohio State can really shoot it from the outside. One of the top teams yeah. in the country in that category. Nearly 39%, even with the extended line. Iowa this year, though, has been pretty good at defending the three. Of course, there's there's been moments where it hasn't been the case, but for as much zone as they play, this team's been pretty good about closing out on shooters.
3: They really have. You know, the that, that Indiana game was, was awful. You know, they, they were making five or six threes a game, and they got 17 I think against Iowa, whatever it was. But um, they got a lot of length up front. You know, Joe Wieskamp, I think his wingspan's seven feet, they say, and he's he's a good six six. It's not six seven. Connor's long. They bring Ricardievelin, and he can close. So, you know, they have guys on the perimeter that can get that hand up and and defend that three. But I think that's the key. You, you, you have to hold teams to. Seven or eight threes, not 11 or 12, and you got a pretty good chance to win.
0: You know, I think Trent brought this up uh, last week uh, regarding Wieskamp and just uh, the difference in, in his game when he's at home as opposed to being out on the road. And, you know, we saw him up at the barn this past week. He struggled against Minnesota, but he's home tonight. What is it about some guys' way that, and, and maybe it's just an anomaly, maybe it's a season to season thing, but some guys just play better at home than they do on the road. And Wieskamp, at least this year, uh, seems to be falling into that category
3: yeah i don't i don't know what it is i you know i think he's still a kid you know he's probably 20 years old and and still trying to figure things out um the road is different i mean the baskets are different you know minnesota has that funky setup purdue has that funky setup um i think for shooters i think the farther you get away from the basket the more that type of atmosphere affects you, you know, for guys down low or shooting ten footers, fifteen footers, it's pretty similar. But once you step out farther than that, to twenty, twenty-two feet, everything looks a little different. The crowds are different; just everything is different. And maybe that's what's that's what's affecting Joe. Um, I I think he'll get turned around pretty soon, you know. And then just you know, it'll it'll be even at home and even better on the road. I hope. So there's still a lot of
2: season left. And, of course, this team can do things that haven't been done in a really long time for the Iowa basketball program. But I had somebody ask me uh, just the other day, what's this team going to look like next year? Albeit if everybody comes back and Bohannon healthy off of injury. Really, the question that I have for you, Wade, I've enjoyed this four-guard lineup so much. And that Swiss Army knife that is Connor McCaffrey, he can run point. And you know what? We can play him at the four and we can do other things. Do you think that with Garza in there next year, Bohan and back, they're going to surround him at least in the starting lineup with four shooters and kind of go with Connor at the four, or is it going to go back more traditional back next season?
3: Yeah, you know when they had that when they had that lineup early with Jack Nunzi, you know Garza was having a good year, but but he wasn't doing what he's doing now, and I think part of that losing Jack that opens up the whole middle. I mean, there's nobody else in there trying to take up space like Nunzi was trying to post up. Trying to get rebounds. So now he's the only big for Iowa. It just spaces the floor so much better. I think they'll figure it out. You know, both Nunji and, 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 Garza could step out and shoot the ball. Um, you know, maybe it's something where you play Nunji at the four and the five and then just sub, sub in for Garza a couple times, you know, during the game, but I really like what they got going. I mean, you hate to look ahead because I think, like you said, there's still a lot of basketball left this season, but if everybody comes back, which I think they will, I think they could be top 15 team next year, and mm-hmm. you start talking about you put together two good weekends, you know, and you make the Final Four, which is not a stretch, even even this year. I mean, I've we talked about it. Are there 40 teams that, that think they can make the Final Four? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe more than that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, Creighton, I think Creighton's a good example. I they are two too. good weekends away from going to the Final Four because they right. can shoot it, they can guard. Now, on the flip side, all those teams are also one bad game away from you know, going on a on a on a spring break ski trip to Colorado too. So, could go either way. Yeah,
0: Duke last night they uh, they oh, struggled man. mightily. Last thing from yeah. from me, Wade. Anyways. Um, you know, Trent and I talk about this, and seemingly it's it's somebody, there, there's a senior on every team that for whatever reason, you know, really start playing the best basketball of their career in the final few games of their career. And I know that every senior is different, but what is it about, And, and I mean, I, I don't know if maybe you can pinpoint this or not, but it seems like, you know, is there a point of the season, as you think back to your senior year, where the finality of it kind of sinks it a little bit to, oh boy, I only got six games left, or I only got four games left. Is there a point, as you think back to your seniors' uh, senior year, that, you know, this happens to to maybe the majority of seniors?
3: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I think it's a good point. I think Ryan is going to start playing really well these last couple games. He was, he was really good there, that kind of that middle six or seven, and then, you know, I think he was he's been okay the last few but I expect him to play really well tonight. This is a good matchup for him. Um McCarty Evelyn was was better against Minnesota. You know I, I think it's funny cuz cuz when you're when you're playing basketball and when you're a senior when it ends it ends very abruptly. Right. You know, we got beat my senior year in the in the NCAA tournament at uh, at Vanderbilt lost to um, lost to Wake Forest. It's done. It just ends. And when you're a junior, you know, you get beat the season ends but you still have next year to kind of train and kind of look Mm -hmm. forward to. And I I wasn't going to play basketball after college, but I think that's just a a lot of extra motivation to get in and shoot some free throws and try to, you know, watch your diet, you know, do some schoolwork, work ahead. So you don't have those distractions and you know, that they've got a month of basketball left, maybe a little more. So when it ends, it ends quick.
0: No doubt about that. Speaking of ending, this is over for this week. Wade, we'll impose on you again next week. Thank you for what Anytime. you do for us. We'll talk to you next week, okay? You
3: guys. Yep, good game in Idaho. Thanks.
0: Good to talk to you. Wade Looking Bill, uh, former Hawkeyes. Uh, we take a look at Ohio State and Iowa, a couple of top 25 teams uh, doing battle tonight. By the way, the contest is open at KXNO.com. What contest? Well, if you would like to win tickets to see those Hawkeyes, their final weekend home date of the season, the second Uh, place team in the Big Ten as we sit here today. Penn State will pay a visit. What we're asking you to do is to go to KXNO.com, click on the contest tab, uh, and there's probably, I don't know, seven current contests going on. Win tickets to Iowa versus Penn State. Dr. Stephen Fuller, FullerDental.net, has provided us with two tickets. The contest is as simple as this. How many points, total points, will be scored on Tuesday's Michigan State-Iowa game? If you're closest without going over, you'll win the two tickets. If we need to go to a tiebreaker, we'll ask you to do a similar uh, with Luca Garza's rebounds and points. Garza's rebounds and points will determine who wins those tickets. So if you want to see the Hawks' sold-out game, Final weekend home game of the season at Carver, KXNO.com.
2: Pretty good deal. It is a really good deal. You don't have to pay. No purchase necessary. Nothing whatsoever. It's completely free. Just go to the website, fill it out, and away you go. And a chance to win Penn State. That should be a fun game. I think it will be, too. C.J. Frederick will be playing in that game? Yeah, you know what? Wade said he he doesn't
0: think he's going to play tonight. McCaffrey said he's game-time decision. It's kind of interesting. Well, he heals both, so
2: quick, Trent. Both those injuries now that he's had. Even if he doesn't go tonight and he waits till Tuesday against Michigan State. I mean, when that first happened against Indiana, we were talking about the end of the regular season. Maybe back for the Big Ten tournament. Mm-hmm. Now here we are, not even a week later. You eh, might give it a go. Unbelievable. Uh, if you're headed out to lunch and you're, you're,
0: you're eating by yourself and you've got your phone and you're trying to find something to read... At Des Moines City View, the Civic Skinny column just posted. It might interest some of you. Uh, DMCityView.com, the Civic Skinny has just been posted. Again, might interest some of you. We'll take a time out. We'll come back. Uh, finish the, We'll finish the program. Boy, flew by today, Trent Condon, uh, as we will take you up until noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And now on What to Unsolve Hunger.
1: Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO.
0: And now on
3: 106.3 FM.
0: Miller and Condon. Final couple of minutes here on a Thursday. Murph and Andy, 2, the Fanatics and 4 Cyclone Fanatic Radio Program tonight at uh, 6 o'clock. Well, Trent, uh, your thoughts on the point spread for tonight's game? Iowa mm-hmm. comes into this one. Frederick, game time decision. Ohio State playing well. What's the number? And
2: not that we really want your opinion. You no, know, no, it, it hasn't been good. apologies to the Siena backers last night as... Oh, they were out in control, looking good, and a backdoor cover out of that one. So uh, continue to fade me, and hopefully we can make people some money that way. Buckeyes getting two and a half. Yeah, that's probably right.
0: You think that's the right number? I think so. I I, I thought it would be a really tight spread. Yeah. And that's not too, that's not too, yeah, that's right. What did you think it was going to be? I
2: thought maybe it'd be a shade higher, three, three and a half. Okay. But, um, playing well. Ohio State's playing well. They are. And I probably grabbed the points here. I. Because of the injuries and piling up. And there's so many people who just think a home win is a foregone conclusion. Yeah. Ask Rutgers
0: last night. Ask no. Minnesota
2: last night. That's absolutely correct. Two it, Big Ten road teams won yep. last night. Indiana and Michigan. And I fell into that trap last night with Rutgers. And I just basically blind, blindly took them. Give it as much. I mean, I've been singing the praises of Michigan for two weeks now mm-hmm. about how they're a dark horse and they're coming on and Livers is back. Simpson was unbelievable. Yes, he was. Oh my God, that little hook shot of
0: his. It was so a point, tough. Trey, there was a point in the game, and I, I don't. Uh, Dan Bonner maybe was doing the color on the game last night. It was annoying, except he had this right. The clocks right. The clock is the shot clock is running down. Well, here comes the hook shot.
2: I mean, who calls a hook shot, right, right. right? And sure as sure as we're sitting here, their hook shot goes up off the glass and in. He is a different kind of player. He is so good defensively too. Mm-hmm. That Michigan team—they can do things. They've got their arrow pointing in the right direction. Rutgers in trouble.
0: Marsh. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean. Uh... They were, certainly were last night. Jalen Rose right behind the bench. You see him sit beside his former teammate, now Coach Jawan Howard. That was pretty cool to see him all decked out.
2: Ready for this? This is what Rutgers has left. And this was going to be a fun story to see them back in the tournament for the Trent, first time. I remember somebody saying, wait till you get to the end of the schedule. Is it that bad? To Wisconsin this weekend. Okay. To Penn State next week. Oh. They come home for the only game of the remaining four at home. It's Maryland. Oh, boy. And then they go to Purdue to wrap up. Mm. You talk about Not limping easy. in. Not easy. You go 0-5 your last five, losing the first round of the Big Ten tournament. That would put them at 18-14. and And the only road victory that you have is Nebraska. <laughs> Not that, too
0: shiny, is that what you're saying?
2: Uh, Shelby's got them
0: in a play-in game right now. Shelby right now. Right now, right, with S- those four to play. Scarlet Knights are in trouble. Seemingly so. Uh, So maybe we won't see as many teams from the Big Ten get invited to the big
2: dance. Indiana, though, their resume, I I was looking at that after the win against Minnesota last night, better than I thought, at least on the surface. There's at least a little bit of depth to it. A couple of neutral wins against UConn and Notre Dame. Them on their own aren't anything, but they build to it. They're going to have a nice record. If they get to three more wins overall... Now get them to the Magic 20, mm-hmm. 1-1 of of the Big Ten tournaments. say mm-hmm. two wins here at the end of the regular season. I think they're going to be fine. I think they're... they're certainly going to be in the conversation. And you put them in Dayton, oh. think, think of the TV numbers you're no. going to get for that one. I mean, it is a television show, does by does the way. That sense.
0: Uh, so are the NFL playoffs. What am I missing? Why, why don't I get the angst that there seemingly uh, has overwhelmed Twitter by going to seven teams? So what we would have seen this year, we would have seen the Steelers go to Arrowhead. Okay. Uh so that would have been the 7-2 and the Rams would have gone to Green Bay. Okay. Everything else stays the same. What 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 am I'm, I missing? I'm going to be mad about this. I don't I'm gonna care. Be upset. Oh, bad teams are going to get in. Bad teams get in already. You're 100% right. Trent, when this when the current format uh, 12 teams make the playoffs first came into being, it was it was right around the be it was before the expansion. So there were 28 teams in the league. So, uh, Tampa Bay Seattle Jacksonville, Carolina, had yet to join the league. So roughly 43% of the league got to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Now with this... Roughly forty-three percent of the teams are going to get into the playoffs.
2: It's roading football.
0: What is the what? What is wrong with more football? It's I dark, don't get it. But we were dead wrong. We were dead wrong on a couple of issues early this week. The change in the format of the Major League Baseball playoffs. Yeah, you were the you and I seemingly are alone on
2: that island. When we it just like shut more. Down. We we like more I sports. Oh, right. I guess we're on an island with this one. That we're two guys that want more sports. I don't get the downside. I
0: don't get the downside. All right. So recap your. Uh, um, uh, your uh, morning uh, at Wells Fargo. Was it packed? It certainly sounded like it yeah, was.
2: Yeah, it was a good crowd on hand, as you'd anticipate. Uh, Waverly-Shellrock, they got off to a really good start here this morning. Southeast folk struggled a little bit, at least for them. They're going to have to do some work on the backside of the bracket to get back in it. That Waverly team, though, is just such a juggernaut. It didn't have to go perfectly for the Rams, but it's got to get better if they're going to run them down to uh, win the 3A title. A couple upsets on there. It's such a fun day, and Tomorrow is the this your favorite finals? day? or is there too much I, it's it's too much uh-huh. because I have so many kids to hit because basically every every one of the fourteen weight classes there's at minimum five central Iowa kids sometimes there's eight or nine, and mm-hmm. it's just trying to keep up with everything when we get to tomorrow into the quarterfinals that's my favorite because a little bit more time to give some more play by play of each match kind of get to get to get into the matches a little bit more. Here, this first round, I just feel like I'm bouncing, giving scores basically for the full two hours. But we'll be back at it tomorrow and... Should be good. Updates all day here presented by Grinnell Mutual and Sinclair Tractor.
0: Well, we're grateful to them for coming aboard and presenting the uh, state wrestling. All right, Murphy and Andy coming up at 2. Then the Fanatics will slide on in here at 4. Trent and I will be back tomorrow. Appreciate you being with us here uh, on the abbreviated edition of Miller & Condon. We're on 1460 KXNO and now on 106.3 FM. Have a great rest of your Thursday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.